Today's episode of Welcome to the Hit Show is presented by the Salvation Army. Your donations can help those affected by COVID-19 find help and hope. To give, ask your smart speaker to make a donation to the Salvation Army or make your gift at SalvationArmyUSA.org. Tuck in your kilt and break down your lipids. It's episode 51 of Welcome to the Hit Show. Today's guests include a nomadic wisp of hair, rumored to be from the chest of King Gargamel IX, a barking Cheeto, Ron Washington, and... A stretching of time. A spinning up and a swimming bath. Welcome to the Hit Show. from that why are you what are you doing i don't understand what's happening right now so i've had a little extra uh, spare time lately oh, and Jesus. i i reopened my recording equipment and decided to just get a little weird for once in my that life was ridiculous <laughs> um, it's almost as insane as you dying your hair blue which is uh the latest yep. in quarantine news that's a thing. I look like an, a cross between an anime character and like a a, a reverse Smurf. It's well, I can't say bright. much more because I decided to self-apply a chemical peel to my face. And so now it's like peeling off in it large It seems like yours was chunks. more dangerous than mine, honestly. Like as far as like how bad it could have gone. I mean, yeah. worst no, case you're scenario, right. I can just buzz mine off. But you can't buzz yes. off your face. No. I mean, technically it, it you was, can. That's... You are buzzing off your face, actually. (laughs) Yeah, it was kind of dicey. Um, but you know, I can't, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not getting my, you know, usual aesthetic treatments. And so I'm just trying to, you know, mix it up. And I figured very few people are seeing me these days. Um, we, we did tape some shows for Fox, um, for them to air looking back at those 2010, 2011 seasons. So I tried to space it out to where, you know, I did it in between shows, but yeah, I got a, I got a whole new face. Can't wait to show everybody. The question is, did it work? Like, did it go yeah. as you planned? Well, I mean, we're still in the peeling phase, but, okay. um, I think eventually I'm going to really like it because when you see what's all that dead skin coming off, it's super gross, but then you're like, well, at least it's not on my face anymore. Right. So, so what, how yeah. long does this, I'm brand new to this. How long does this process take? So the peel itself took like five minutes. I mean, well, 10 minutes, but you, you know, you dip it in this stuff and feel like your face is on fire and turn really red. And then a couple days later, your skin just starts peeling off. It's kind of amazing actually. Okay. And then how long does the peeling process take? Well, so it's Tuesday. I applied it on Saturday. So we're, it's, I'm still peeling. I would assume by Thursday, I'm going to be like a whole new woman. Can't wait. All right. This yeah. is this is amazing. Well, I'm excited this week because um you know, I I started covering the Rangers in 2016 
And I cannot tell you the number of times that I have heard from a number of people, um, but specifically from T.R. Sullivan, who I sit next to in the press box, the, the number of times when he has turned to me and just said, just out of nowhere, like this total non sequitur, ah, you would have loved Wash. And I'm like, that's, I, you've convinced me, but he just keeps saying it. Like you, once in a while it just comes up. You would have loved Wash. And, um, today we actually thank you to Emily Jones, who made this connection. We get to talk to Ron Washington. We are joined now by one of my favorite people that I have met in this game of baseball and probably the guy that if I had to pick one person, I could only talk baseball with one person for the rest of my life, it would absolutely be this guy. And I am talking about the former manager of the Texas Rangers, Ron Washington. Washer, how are you? I'm doing extremely well, Emily, and thanks for the introduction. That was very, very much uh Touch my heart the way you put that together. Well, it's the truth. Um, you know, I haven't gotten to see you enough since, since you left Texas. Um, but for, you know, for those who are, you know, maybe not as familiar with your, your story, tell us what you've been doing since you left the Rangers. Well, I, I went back to Oakland. I stayed in Oakland, uh, for, for three years, uh, 15, 16. Oh, and then I went to Atlanta in 17. So it was two years I went back to Oakland and, um, you know, there was a job over there for me to help Marcus Simeon uh, find his way. And um, and Billy and I go way back a long way. So um, he gave me an opportunity to return to the game. And then I uh, I interviewed for the managing job in Atlanta. And uh, Jerry didn't want to go back out to California. So um, when I interviewed for the job in Atlanta, they offered me uh, to stay in Atlanta. So I took that job. And for the past uh, three years, this would have been the fourth I've been working with those young kids over there in Atlanta, and it's been a tremendous move for me. And I tell you what, uh, I owe so much to Billy Bean for allowing me to to make that move. Ron, um, sorry, that, hi, I'm I'm Levi. I I started this job after you already left, so uh, okay, it's, Levi, it's nice to meet you. Meet you. I used to used to watch you on television uh, pretty pretty frequently in our house. Um, what is you know? I'm, I'm kind of taking a quick look over the Atlanta roster, and man, they've got some exciting infielders there with you know Dansby Swanson and um what what is what has been the best part for you and I know this is a Rangers podcast but I'm just curious like yeah. how does that infield over there compare to other other teams that you have worked with in the past well one one thing for sure you know I got that infield very 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 young a matter of fact they was younger than Miguel and Eric and Mark Ellis and those guys and uh, they was very very young and uh, they were so respectful. Um, that's the one thing that I noticed uh, the most is uh, uh, those kids are talented and they're respectful uh, and they want to be better. And they'll do whatever it takes to, to reach that goal. And uh, that's the one thing that, that I, I won't say shocked me, but I really didn't expect it because the only thing they knew about Ron Washington was his reputation. And um, they took a liking to the way I went about my business. And, um, you know, they had uh, had good genes. And uh, work was a part of uh, their makeup. And the transition uh, was quite easy for me uh, when I went over to Atlanta. And um, it's been a great fit. It really has. Wash, I want to kind of take a look back at your days here in Texas. And those were the best days of this organization, um, those years um, you know, from when you got here and ultimately reaching two World Series, 
you know, we're doing some shows on Fox and I've, I've been able to, I know you did an interview, um, with the Mac, uh, Mark McLemore and John Radigan. I've interviewed a lot of the uh, former players on, from those teams. And every one of them, when you talk about the chemistry that those teams had, the first thing they talk about is you. Um, and just kind of the, the aura that you had and the, the, the community that you created from the beginning in 2007. And when you would, and I don't know if they've told you that directly, but when you hear guys, you know, attribute, uh, a culture and a community and, and what was built, you know, to largely to what you put in place, what, what does that do for you? What, how does that make you feel? And where did that come from? Because there was such an ease that these players had when they played for you. I think that came Emily. Number one, um, I knew those guys appreciated me because, uh, um, myself and m- me being the leader, I made sure my coaching staff made them understand how much they appreciated them too. So there was love going both ways. And, um, you know, uh, but the, the thing was, is that was the way I was brought up. That was the way I was taught. And, you know, you always have vision of, of, of what you want to create. Um, if you ever became a, a in charge, in other words, you ever became the leader. And then everything that's, that goes on, it stops with you. So you can never say, well, you know, this so-and-so and so did this, so-and-so and so did that. No, 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 no. If I didn't like the way things were going, or I always told my players, if they didn't like the way things were going, then let's have a conversation because the buck stopped with me. And if I can't fix something, I can make a phone call upstairs and there's somebody up there that can get together and we can fix what needs to be fixed. And and that was the communication. And you have to have that communication. And I was a player. So I knew what players would like to have happen. I always made them a part of the decisions that I made. And in the end, we made a decision. And whatever decision we came up with, that's the way it was. But I also had leaders. I had leaders in Michael Young. I had leaders in, in Cruz. I had leaders in Beltre. I had leaders in Kinsler. I had leaders. You know, I can name the whole team, David Murphy, Moreland. I just had a team of leaders and they cared about each other. And, and, and that was the atmosphere, Emily, that I was trying to create. We got to care about each other. We already have to battle, number one, the umpires. We have to battle the opposing team. We have to battle fans that don't like us. But what's on the outside of our clubhouse never mattered. What only mattered is how we felt about each other how we was going to help each other inside our clubhouse. And, you know, when they had an issue, they came to me. When I had an issue, I went to them. So it was give and take on both sides. And I think that's what created uh, the atmosphere that was created. They had the free will to say what they wanted to have happen or what they would like to have happen. But as the leader, I had the free will to decide and make them understand if that can work or if that can't work. And because I had good leaders, and along with the leaders, I had good players, too. I was the luckiest manager in the world the years I was in Texas because these players, they just blossomed in front of our eyes. They really did. And, 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 and they took over. And all I had to do was make sure that whatever they needed was there. That was easy because that's the way I rolled anyway. And that is like, I, I want to go play baseball now. Wash just listening to that. Um, Hey, this is, this is, uh, we're in, we're in kind of a unique circumstance. Obviously everybody is, um, you know, this is not the first 
major thing you've gone through. You, you, you know, you're from New Orleans and when Katrina hit, you had, you were affected there. How are you, um, how are you holding up with all this with, with being at home and how, how are you doing? Well, I, I really would like to be playing baseball. I would like to be at a ballpark, but it, uh, we understand that that's not necessary. So, you know, a lot of the honeydews and the things that uh, you couldn't get done in the two and a half to three months that uh, you had off before you had to go back to spring training, I have no excuse now for catching up on them. At <laughs> least I have things that I can do. You know what I'm saying? And that's what's keeping me busy. Um, I have a ton of movies. I'm a movie uh freak i buy movies and um there'd be years before i look at them so i'm pulling them out now and i'm watching movies in certain parts of the day but for the most part Uh after i get up in the morning i'm trying to keep my my mind and my body working i'm I'm on the treadmill Mm -hmm. i'm stretching i'm working out i'm doing things every morning by nine o'clock we have breakfast and right after breakfast uh, that's when the day starts i might have to do some painting i might have to be outside cleaning up the yard i might have to be cutting grass um I may have to power wash some stuff. Uh, I may have to mop floors. Whatever has to be done, that's what I'm doing to keep myself busy. But there is a period of about four or five hours. I'm sitting in my lounge chair looking at the TV. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing wrong with that, Why? So uh, we've been talking to a couple of the the players and, you know, what they're doing to stay in baseball shape. And uh, we talked to Kyle Gibson last week. He said the team sent him a Rapsodo and he's working on, on all of that. But but I, I got to thinking there are a lot of like high school and college players that are missing their season that want to stay in baseball shape and want to do drills. And they're, you know, you are, you're a coach. You're somebody that teaches people. Do, do you have any, any drills or any suggestions for like, you know, junior high, high school kids that are wanting to stay in baseball shape while they are kind of stuck at home, maybe without the resources that big league players would have? Well, the one thing that I can say, if they have a net that they can hit into, um, mm-hmm. um, I know if they have a tee that they have, um, they can just definitely continue to groove their swing. If they have a wall that they can throw a ball off of, and I'm, I don't want them to tear up the family house, they can use a tennis right. ball. If they have a wall they can throw a ball off of, they can put themselves in different fielding positions and uh, work their hands, work their feet. Um, you know, there's things like that you can do. But as far as going out to a park, I wouldn't, I wouldn't take a chance on that especially with this uh, coronavirus out there and people still trying to figure out how you catch it. You know, now they're saying, um, uh, you know, uh, I, I forgot on TV this word they use, how they say it, that the stuff can spread all over the place. They just showed yesterday a restaurant where tables are separated and one guy had it and then everybody goes those tables next to it. So, you know, that's dangerous. I think I, I just think that uh, uh, they need to just stay simple and find a ball with a tennis ball, or if you got a net and a tee, keep your swing grooved. Other than that, that's about the best you can do. Walk the treadmill, uh, go out and walk, take your daily walk around a, a park if you can get there. Um, anything you can do to keep yourself going, um, you know, that's all you can do. I tell you what, we had gotten to the point where we were close to game time. And then they shut the game down. So, and the last thing I want to do is for my body to revert back to what it was when I had it lazy for my two and a half or three months that I wasn't doing anything. So I'm just trying to keep it right. And that's what they have to do, whatever they have to do. 
Okay, Wash, I'm not done reminiscing. Uh, enough, enough depressing COVID talk. Let's, I, I want to talk about some of the, the best times in this, uh, franchise's history. Okay. Um, when we, when you look back at the, you know, we talk about, you know, when you arrived here in 2007 and kind of the, the culture that you wanted to create, one of the things I really admired and appreciated about you is that you, you always stayed true to who you were. You didn't, you know, you talk the way you talk, you express yourself the way you express yourself, you make the decisions the way you make them and you, you know, you, you stand by them. And so I always admired that about you and that didn't change when you became a manager. Um, just, just talk about your philosophy, you know, not just with baseball, but in life and in staying true to, you know, to who you are. Well, you know, Emily, when you become a leader and you want people to follow you, uh, that's the one thing you have to do is be consistent and be true to yourself. Um, I got some advice when I left Oakland to come over to, to Texas and the first, and the, and I got it from a guy by the name of Eric Chavez. He told me, Wash, he said, we're going to miss you. But when you go over there to Texas, don't change who you are. Well, it was hard for me to try to be something other than I was. I'm a baseball person, and I'm going to express myself, and I'm going to show myself as a baseball person. Um, and I've always been just like everyone else, you and your business and me in baseball. I never said that I was an expert. I learned as I went along. Um, everybody make mistakes. There's no perfection in the game of baseball. Um, so, you know, you, everybody's failing and failing is temporary unless you personally allow it to be, um, affect you to the point where that's what it is, a failure. So, you know, those are the type of attitudes that I brought. Um, and, and then when you get there and you around people like a Michael Young, uh, Ian Kinsler, um, you're around people like even a John Daniels who had vision and he put that, that, uh, each year that I was there, he put the pieces in place. And, of course, me and my coaching staff had to take those pieces and develop them and give them a mindset that, that we want to have as a Texas Ranger. And uh, it just continued to con- continue to develop. And, and, and that's the one thing that I love that happened to me. I was able to be there and be who I was through, through questions, uh, through people that, uh, you know, there's always haters no matter where you go. Through all of that, I still was able to be who I am. But more than anything else, Emily, I wanted my players to understand that I wanted them to be who they were too. And that gave them freedom to go out there and just let it flow and play the game the way we inside of our clubhouse thought that we needed to go out there and play the game. And the most enjoyable time for me in Texas, this was that game time just to watch all the stuff that went on behind the scene. We ended up seeing out there because those guys paid attention. They applied, they trusted and they believe in one another. And when you can create that type of atmosphere and I don't care in what sport and what part of life, as you said earlier, are you in, there will be success and we do things so we can be successful. And we don't have to be the ones to always take the, 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 the success pats on the back because everybody that's involved played a part. And with their part, if their part weak was weak in any manner or their part went in a different direction in any manner, we couldn't have had the success we had. We had everybody from the top all the way down into that clubhouse on the same page. And that's why 
we were able to progress from year to year to year to year. And I remember when we went to the ALCS in 2010, and I remember John Blake being worried about the New York media and how you would do with the New York media. And it took, I think, like uh, one press conference before they were all, you know, all the national media, that new, that rough New York media, they were all in, enamored with you. Um, because I think that, in, you know, this is me drawing conclusions, but they were, ref- it, you were refreshing. You, you didn't give canned answers. And, uh, it was, that's why it was, it, it was so fun getting to talk to you, um, every day before games. But one of the most fun things I think that came out of, um, your time here was, or terms at least, was the wash gut. And remember we used to talk about like, you, you some yeah. of the, some of the decisions you made weren't necessarily, uh, by the baseball book. Um, but you, you know, there was times when you just said that's what the way you felt the game was going, or that's the feeling that you had about that guy that day. And, um, we, you know, some of those, I mean, they didn't all work out, but it, I feel like they worked out more than they didn't. And we would just chalk it up. You just chalk it up to the wash gut. That's just what your gut told you. Um, and that's from watching the game from pitch one, Emily, you know, don't know, don't know one person has the, the market on how it's supposed to be done. And that's the way I thought how it's supposed to be done. There is no one market. Now people will do it a certain way. If they're afraid of failure, I wasn't afraid of failure. What failure does for any one person is make you better. If you are not afraid to fail. Now, if you're afraid to fail, you'll do something. So you can answer to what you did. I did something according to what the game told me I needed to do. Now, it was the player that had to execute it for me to look good. It was the player that didn't execute it when I decided to do something that made me look bad. But, hey, I'm willing to accept that as long as my player is willing to accept what I'm doing. (laughs) And that's what I did. And that's who I was. And that's why we were successful. I've always been success in the game of baseball, no matter where I was. Have Did I have failing times? Of course I did. But I've always been a success, and I've always been a success because I believe 100% in what I do. I believe in 100% in what I give. I believe in 100% of the people around me that's working for me that I'm leading. And I want them to believe 100%. And the success part of it came to play because, again, from the top all the way to the bottom, there was belief. Love it. Hey, Ron, I, I got a question for you. I obviously, you know, 2010 and 2011 were the two years that you guys went to the World Series. But I kind of have had a, a long-running theory that that 2012 team, even though it didn't make the deep run that the previous two teams did, I had a theory that that was maybe a better team than the previous two. And so I was curious if what your what your thoughts on, were on – what was the best team that you had when you were here in Texas? I think uh, the, it's hard to put the, the finger on one that was better. Um, I, I think you have to go with 2010 and 2011 because we made it to the, 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 the ultimate, which was the World Series. Mm-hmm. You, you mentioned the 2012 team, which was real good, but we didn't make it uh, out of things just didn't go right. You know, it didn't work out yeah. for us like it worked out in 10 and 11. So you have to go with those two. But the personnel was the most important thing to me. The way the guys cared about each other, the way the guys went about their business, the way the guys respect the game um, was the thing that meant the most to me managing in Texas. 
I had a group of guys that I tell you what, anybody that had them would have loved them because they loved each other. They loved to play the game of baseball and they wanted to be good for the fans in Texas. They wanted to be good for each other. They wanted to be good for, for hogging, just being the equipment manager yeah. inside the clubhouse. They wanted to be good. They wanted to be good for Emily. <laughs> you know, because she was the yeah. one interviewing them after things. They wanted to be good. They, 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 that's what they wanted. And when you have a group of people um, like I had from day one when I arrived in Texas. Now, all, like, like Emily said earlier, all of it wasn't uh, peaches and cream, but that's mm-hmm. the type of things you have to go through to get to where you want to get to. What I enjoyed the most is the patience that John Daniels had with me. I was a novice. Yeah, I, Emily mentioned earlier, I did things that was, whoa, made you touch your head, but I didn't do them because I didn't know what the heck I was doing. I did it because at the time, that's what I thought needed to be done. Now, I'm the one making a decision. That was my decision. I could take someone else's decision and use it, and it won't work. But if people think that's the way it should have went, it didn't work, it's okay. But since I did it, and the way I did it, it didn't work, what is he doing? Well, that's where you get questioned. I wasn't worried about that. I was just looking down the road, the type of baseball that I wanted to to present and I wanted my players to understand how to play and in the end we did it so it was hard to 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 say what team was the, the most exciting but the two 10 and 11 because we went to the world series they were the most uh cherishable ones that's in my heart okay so last question um and you know just hearing you talk and like I said you're you're just <laughs> There's no one tells a story quite like Ron Washington. Um, and you've been so successful in the game and you're so passionate and, and you do have that X factor. There's a lot of, a lot of guys who can study the game and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, to, to get players to play at the level that you have, you were able to hear and, um, to get out of them, you know, uh, that, that playing freely, I don't think that's a gift that, you know, every manager has. So with that being said, how how much do you want to get back in that in that chair? How much do you want to have that opportunity again? Well, I tell you what, Emily, I thought I was going to almost have that opportunity this year with San Diego. I want to get back. Yeah. But, you know, it has to be a general manager that convinced an owner that I'm the guy. And I know that I can lead. I know I've, I've always been a leader ever since I've been in the game of baseball. So, I do want to manage again, but it has to be a general manager that think I'm the guy to lead them where they want to go. Now, it just depends on where they want to go. You know, if they want to be successful and and enjoy watching the game of baseball and um, have an opportunity to to be on the big stage every year, um, I believe I'm the guy. But if they just want someone down there to uh, just go through the X's and O's, I'm not the guy. But uh of course, I want to manage again. I really do. I'm, I'm a leader. Um, that's what I've always done. Um, I'm with the Atlanta Braves right now, and I'm a leader. Yes, I, I'm not managing it, but but I'm leading. Um, you'd be surprised the amount of questions that are asked of me, being an infield and a third base coach. Um, you'd be surprised the, the amount of people that, that search me out to get the answers to questions. And, and, and think about it now. I'm giving them answers. So my reputation is being put on the line. And, but I don't worry about that because that's where I, 
That's how I feel. And, and all I do is just bring up the wisdom that people have given to me. I didn't, wasn't born with this. There's a lot of people that have put their hands on Ron Washington and made me who I am and what I am. And there's a lot of people that Ron Washington has put their hands on that I hope that can bring that to somebody else later on in life when they need something. And that's how we keep the game going. And that's the only way I know how to do things. And um, that's the only way I've ever been in my life is giving. And right now I'm at the point where I got a chance to be a big giver. So yes, I would like to manage again and give and uh, teach other coaches how to give. Cause it's not, the thing about learning is when you teaching, there's more than you just learning. You teaching a player something, although you may have all the knowledge, but if you're not learning from that player, then you're not doing the service that needs to be done in that situation. Anybody that got to be two people learning, even though the teacher is the most uh, knowledgeable, but he still has to be learning. I got to be learning who I'm teaching. Love it, they have to be learning what I'm giving them. <laughs> I hear you. Well, it's so good to catch up with you. Um, we could talk for hours, but uh, maybe we'll have you on again, and we can we can uh, we can do it all over again because I got a million It'll more be questions my pleasure. I could ask you. <laughs> It'll be my pleasure. It's great to hear your voice. Thanks so much for being with us, Washer. Thank you, Eli. Thank you also. Nice to meet you. Take care. Okay.